Hey y'all, welcome back to the Brianna Approved Podcast. We are on episode 22 and we are continuing our conversation around all things anxiety, being a super spaz, and in particular, today we are going to be talking about amygdala-based anxiety. Before we get into the show, I just want to thank everybody for the love and support during my entire dissertation process. Um, Ironically enough, I didn't have anxiety writing about anxiety, but now I'm waiting for my dissertation defense date, and I'm really excited. It was a really emotionally draining, fulfilling experience, and I'll maybe do an episode uh, later uh, on that. So, But back to the show. So in episode 22 today, we are going to, of course, do our fun fact of the day while I'm always sipping cafe. We will get into the nerd alert first, which is going to talk about the limbic system. And then the main segment of the show is basically going to be understanding the amygdala pathway for anxiety. And this will hopefully explain why long-term benzodiazepines don't actually help with this kind of anxiety and maybe why you feel bad after having what I call like a rage blackout. I'm going to also discuss how the amygdala can unconsciously attach anxiety to certain situations and objects, which should hopefully help you become aware of why you have these responses in the first place. And then, of course, at the end, we're going to talk about actual ways to deal with this kind of anxiety to help with physical symptoms and the experience of anxiety itself. Now let's get into your fun fact of the day while I sip cafe. Did you know that structural MRI studies have observed a significant hippocampal volume reduction in patients with PTSD and social anxiety disorder compared with healthy controls? Now, that might sound like a lot and that might seem confusing, but basically what they have done is they've looked at like some brain imaging and they have found that this part of the brain in particular, the hippocampus, had volume reduction in those who had PTSD and social anxiety. So that's interesting because we're going to talk about what the hippocampus does and the limbic brain, um, but it is important to kind of understand if you maybe go down more this amygdala pathway or this cortex pathway, which I will do an eventual another episode on that as well. But this helps you to identify what kind of anxiety experience am I having right now? So let's get into nerd alert. Nerd alert. Nerd alert. In this section of nerd alert, we are talking about the limbic system. And so the limbic system, some people talk about it as our primitive brain, as our emotional brain. And this is kind of the part of the brain that deals with, you know, hunger and motivation, our sex drive, mood, pain, pleasure, appetite, memory. It does a lot. And so the limbic system basically regulates and processes emotions and memories and directly connects the lower and higher functions of our brain. So like the cortex, for example, would be our more 
like logical like when we're feeling anxious we can maybe try and talk ourselves out of something to be like okay that's crazy right now right where the limbic system is a bit more reactive and emotional and so when we're talking about the limbic system it's a collection of structures so it can include things like the hippocampus like the amygdala which we're going to talk about today like the thalamus like the hypothalamus and again these structures are involved in forming and storing memories which is why you know when you walk past a cinnabon in the mall it can bring back like an exciting memory or when you hear a song it can maybe trigger a a bad or good experience i joke and call it like emotional cutting on a sunday if i'm sad and want to listen to john mayer or what my best friend calls big hoop energy when you put on like hood rap music and have a good time right that can directly influence your mood so that's dealing with the limbic system it also deals with sexual arousal, um, learning, and various emotional behaviors. Again, so things like fear, rage, and anxiety. And what's interesting is that the limbic system is involved in, in many neurobehavioral disorders. So this can be disorders that deal with our mood and anxiety. So things like PTSD, also substance abuse and dependence, and then many disorders that deal with cognition and memory, like Alzheimer's disease. So there's, I think, future areas of research that hopefully the field of neuroscience will continue kind of looking at these pathways and using neuroimaging and all, and all of that, which is, you know, really exciting. And so within the central nervous system, right, the hippocampus and the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex, right, they're all part of this limbic system, which play a role in regulating the entire HPA access, right? So this is a key area that regulates emotions and anxiety. A lot of people, I think, know the HPA access for things like adrenal health, or when people say they have, quote, adrenal fatigue, which is not a real thing. Um... You are generally fatigued as a person, not your adrenal glands, and many times it's HPA access dysregulation, but we will talk about that in a future episode. Now, the hippocampus is not only important, you know, just for cognitive functioning, but it also, again, plays a role in our emotional brain. So it what it does is it helps to modulate what we would call affective states, affective, right, with an A, um, affective emotions. So... This deals, again, with modulating anxiety states. And when we talk about affective states, this kind of deals with these, you know, three different dimensions. So valence, right, which kind of means like balance or the yin and yang of every emotion, right? So like there's kind of a sliding scale, like, right, happiness and sadness. That would be like the valence of those. Um, Affective states also deal with arousal and then motivation and intensity, So valence essentially is this like subjective spectrum of positive to negative evaluations of an experience that an individual may have had. And so again, this is why for some things people are triggered and for other things people are not because many times when we have an effective emotion, again, because emotions are like this multi-dimensional construction they are many times subjectively experienced feelings. And then sometimes we attach, you know, beliefs to them. Um, Sometimes there's motivation that's underlying, right? Like we're trying to actually change something or not feel something. And then sometimes with emotions, there's also a physiological component, right? So like our heart rate, which is when we're talking about the amygdala pathway, what we're actually dealing with. 
So when someone, let's say, confronts like an oncoming car or there's a danger, like you have to speak in front of people or uh, you have an interview or you're going on a date or whatever, the sensory organs, so like our eyes and our ears, even our skin, all that kind of stuff, that sends information to the amygdala. So this is why things like weighted blankets can work, right? Why also, again, um, sound therapy can be beneficial, like music, right? Um, Guided imagery. These are all different things that you can do to support different kinds of anxiety because all of those things send information to the amygdala, which again processes our emotions. And then that amygdala go, goes and interprets images and sounds. So when we perceive a danger, whether that's real, perceived, or triggered by something, it instantly sends this distress signal to the hypothalamus. And that is when kind of the anxiety cascade begins. Now, let's get into the Knowledge Bites segment of the show, which is going to be the amygdala pathway of anxiety. Because again, you know, I I think a a follow-up episode to this will be talking about the cortex-based anxiety, but the amygdala, again, is is a part of the limbic system that's actually made up of like these two small almond shaped structures. And it's located near the center of the brain, which is why it has such this influence over how we react. And our brain actually has two amygdalas. So it has one in the left hemisphere and one in the right hemisphere. Um, And I can even eventually go into that, like left hemisphere versus right hemisphere anxiety. And I probably will in the future. But again, it's important to note that the amygdala, it's located in the central area of the brain, which means it gives it immediate access to information from all of our senses, right? So it influences parts of the brain that can change body functions quickly, which is why you can, out of the blue, feel anxious. You think a thought, you hear a sound, you smell something, good, bad, or indifferent, but this amygdala pathway deals with that general feeling of anxiousness when you quite literally feel like your heart racing or your skin's crawling or that is what triggers that fight or flight response in the body and um, it can even form emotional memories which is why we attach certain pairings and associations with memories and what we felt at a certain time so understanding and identifying triggers is also super important for dealing with the amygdala and which is why you can't many times talk yourself off of the ledge when it's an amygdala-based anxiety, right? Um, Because it can come out of nowhere, and again, it deals with these pairings and associations or emotional memories that we have attached with it. I did an Instagram post once on this that I was talking about this idea of go laugh every place that you have ever cried, because what this does is it's going to create a new emotional pairing and association and form a new emotional memory. So the amygdala is not going to always just get tripped up. And of course, it's going to take more than, you know, one or two times. But it's this idea of kind of taking control of that emotional attachment that you have to something. And so because the amygdala causes this physical sensation of anxiety, so things like, you know, our, our heart racing, maybe you get like Um, sweaty, maybe your muscles get really tense. This is also really important to understand that um, there are different, I think, herbal protocols that can be important for this kind of anxiety as well. But 
This can create anxiety responses basically without your conscious knowledge or that are totally out of your control. So this is when we start to just like feel out of control. Like I said, it doesn't matter if logically you're trying to talk yourself out of something or your friend says, just calm down. That's not going to help somebody who's having an amygdala based anxiety issue going on. Now, the amygdala circuits also influence feelings like love and um, aggression, again, anxiety, of course, fear, anger, sexual behavior, and bonding. So again, it, it deals with a whole range of emotional reactions, positive and negative, which again, I don't love putting things in those kinds of buckets because it is somewhat subjective. But again, this amygdala pathway can form and recall emotional memories, again, like feeling happy when you smell your mom's perfume or somebody else is wearing it, right? And it makes you think of your mom. And what's interesting is that there are some studies that show that adults who suffer from anxiety disorders have shown that they have enlarged, highly connected amygdala and found in particular the basal lateral amygdala, which is like the specific region, was larger in children who had higher anxiety. And so a heightened amygdala response has been associated with symptoms um, of anxiety, in particular phobias and PTSD. Another thing that can affect a heightened amygdala response is lack of sleep. So if you notice yourself the next day um, being like bitch Brianna or being super on edge or just feeling like kind of, you know, you're just not yourself, that can cause overreaction of the amygdala. So that's also why sleep is so important for dealing with anxiety and mood disorders in general. Now, again, the amygdala can unconsciously, meaning it's literally not, you're not aware of it, you're not choosing this at all to attach anxiety to situations and objects. So this is why amygdala-based anxiety is based on associations and pairings. So to give you some reference, an example of associations and pairings is every time I get in the car, I put my seatbelt on because I think about sitting in a car and I associate that with needing to be safe in the car. So I put that on, right? Like you don't even think about that. And so this is why triggers also deal with associations and pairings. Again, so every time you go a certain place, you start to physically feel anxious. Every time you're around a certain person, this is why it's very important to be aware of pro-inflammatory people. Um, Maybe you quite literally feel like tense. You get a pit in your stomach. You get a fear response. Again, this is all the amygdala stuff. So identifying triggers and also creating new associations and pairings is so, so important for this kind of anxiety. And if you feel like your anxiety basically has like no apparent cause, it doesn't really make like logical sense, you don't understand, um, you're usually experiencing the effects of anxiety that are arising from the amygdala pathway. And this is also why things like um, benzodiazepines, they can work quickly at kind of lowering this kind of anxiety, right? Like physical symptoms, but they don't work long-term on changing the actual circuitry of the amygdala. So that's why long-term, that's not going to be the most beneficial treatment and actually has very low patient compliance. So if you're aware, again, of your associations and pairings, of your triggers, these things can be really helpful for coping with this kind of anxiety. Um, This can also be really helpful for people who have panic disorders, right? Because if they can understand and recognize that a lot of the reactions and emotions that they are experiencing are related to this activation of the 
amygdala, which directly influences our fight, flight, or freeze response. Not everybody feels like they have to run away from something or go into fight or flight mode. Freezing, doing nothing, kind of feeling like you clamp up or you don't know what to do next. Um, Paralysis. These are also parts of that amygdala pathway. Uh, So if an individual understands these senses, right, like that it's just this natural response from the central nervous system and a part of the sympathetic nervous system, in order to prepare and protect your body from a threat, you might feel a little bit less concerned with how your body is physically reacting. You might not, because again, that deals more with the cortex, but sometimes just, you know, being aware of that and having that conversation with yourself can be helpful. And again, um, being aware of triggers, how you physically feel, that's why it's called body language, right? Like our body is always talking to us and telling us how we feel around certain energies, frequency, vibes, people. And this includes our own thoughts as well. So very important to be aware of that. So I want to kind of talk about, again, like some actions to take for this kind of amygdala-based anxiety. Again, because many times when you are experiencing this, you can feel like you're out of control. And this is why many times when people have this knee-jerk reaction, they have a rage blackout. They just go down this like anxiety rabbit hole. They feel regretful or remorseful after that emotion has settled. And they say to themselves like, ooh, my bad. I might have overreacted there. I might have let my amygdala like overtake my cortex logical brain. And so obviously that's not something you're going to probably explain to other people. But if you're on this journey of trying to deal with your own shit, um, being mean to yourself or being hard on yourself when you have a slip up like that, when you have an anxiety spiral, a super spaz shame spiral, as I would call it, um, if you kind of can be kind to yourself and have that conversation being like, listen, my amygdala took over, it was overreactive, um, I didn't identify my triggers, I didn't sleep great, um, my cortex was not being logical, like it might just be a good conversation to have with yourself. And again, this is also important for people who are looking to develop healthy coping mechanisms, right, with an anxiety treatment um, to help you just be kinder to yourselves when understanding it's an emotional reaction um, while you're working on changing some of these these patterns. And so um, what's interesting to note again as well, because I think anxiety gets a bad rap, it's just a misunderstood emotion. And so, you know, at one time, the ability of your amygdala to override your logical cortex was really helpful, right? Because our brain is hardwired for survival and evolution. We know this, right? Especially in times of danger. Um, but sometimes you have to just like do what you have to do, right? You go into survival mode. And so that's why sometimes like you emotionally react a certain way because that may have been beneficial for you. And so this is why CBT or cognitive based therapies, right? is not really great for this kind of person because that deals a lot with uh, logical thinking approaches towards dealing with anxiety, right? And that's going to be more for the cortex-based person. So somebody who is having an amygdala-based anxiety, again, because it deals with activation of that sympathetic nervous system and you're quite literally feeling anxious, you want to do something that's going to like get that stress response out of the body. So physical stuff is going to be really helpful. Not always, again, that logical, like brain dump kind of stuff that that's, you need to physically get adrenaline lowered and cortisol lowered, um, and get that energy moving and out of your body, right? So physical exercise, walking, 
grounding, nature therapy, swimming, body movement in general, anything that's somatic in nature. So this can also just be like dancing around your house. Um, All that stuff is going to be really, really important for that amygdala-based anxiety. So hopefully this was helpful and... I will do a future episode on the cortex-based anxiety. As always, please visit the website, briannadiorio.com for all things Brianna-approved content and leave a review. It really helps get the podcast out there. Um, Share, tag, and I hope y'all have a lovely day. Ciao.